All right, let's talk about mental health again. We're calling it Let Him Help. <laughs> Let Him Help. I'll give out my disclaimer again. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not even a, a licensed counselor. What I'm asking you to do is let God help you. If you go to a counselor, let God help you. If you go to a doctor, let God help you. If it's something that you can handle, let God help you. Uh, let him help you because your mental health is part of his plan. And we read Psalm 43 last week. We'll go back there again today. Uh, when the, I believe this was the uh, song, it was either written by the, the sons of Korah or for them. And Psalm 43, verse 5, I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified. Why are you cast down, O my inner self? And why should you moan over me and be disquieted within me? Hope in God, wait expectantly on Him, for I shall yet praise Him who is the help of my countenance and my God. Now we picked that apart last week and as much, as much fun as I had doing it, we're not going to do it again today. But main points being this, he's, he's talking to himself. And he's saying, what's going on on the inside of me? Where is this coming from? It doesn't show us that he gets an answer there, but it shows us that he gets how to fix it. So he, I don't know if he ever figured out what was really going on inside of him, but this is what he came to. There's something going on that's depressing me. There, there's something going on that's disquieting, something that's loud and troubled on the inside of me. But I'm going to hope in God. I'm going to wait expectantly on Him. I'm going to praise Him. He is the help of my countenance. And man, what a difference being in the presence of God can make. And just change. Because your focus has changed. When our focus changes, is then we, we begin to reflect what we're looking at, right? So if we're looking at our problems, we begin to reflect our problems. Our face begins to show our problem. But if we're looking at God and we're waiting expectantly on Him, our face begins to reflect Him. What a difference. We're called the light of the world. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves of that. Jesus suffered holy, W-H-O-L, holy. Jesus suffered holy, and he won for you holy. Spirit, soul, that soul encompasses our mind, our thinking, our emotions, our will. He suffered for us, spirit, soul, and body. There's no part of you that he left out. There's no part of you that he left behind. So we've got to stop separating our mental health from health. And we've got to stop separating mental health and health from salvation. We, we, we tend to do it, or I should say religion tends to separate healing from salvation. It's like salvation was just keeping me out of the flames of hell. But you look the word up. It's a beautiful word. It's all-encompassing. 
I mean, whatever mankind lost in the garden, Jesus came to restore to us. And so there was no mental anguish in the garden. That's why Jesus is called our peace, our Prince of Peace, because he, re- he came to restore that peace to us. And so be very careful. If you're saved, you're mentally saved. You're healed. Right? The scripture puts it in the past. By his stripes we were healed. Is there, is there work to do in your mind? Yes. Romans 12 is very plain. We renew our mind. If we've been thinking one way and we've got a, a stronghold, we've got a thought process, it's been reinforced, reinforced, reinforced. We have to renew our mind, but we can renew our mind. He sent his word and he healed us and he delivered us from our destruction. So even if you did it to yourself, He still sent his word to heal you. Isn't that a relief? Because I did some stuff to myself. I can't even blame the devil for part of it. Thanks, Bo. 1 Thessalonians 5. Y'all got to quit traveling so much. I, I miss your aggravation when you're gone. Right, SJ? You take it with you, don't you? <laughs> it never leaves. First Thessalonians 5. I want to read this to you out of the Amplified. Uh, chapter 5, verse 23. May the God of peace himself. You know that's who we serve? That's who I call Lord? That's who I've made the God of my life? The God of peace himself. The God of peace. The God of peace, not the God of chaos. The God of peace himself sanctify you through and through. Separate you from profane things. Make you pure and holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. Holy, consecrated to God. And may your spirit, your soul, and your body be preserved sound What a great word. Sound. Solid. At peace. Undisturbed. May God sanctify you wholly and may your spirit, your soul, and your body be preserved sound and complete and found blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know how he wants to find you? Sound. Sound. I don't know that word just... Stood out to me today because, you know, there's this little phrase in the parable of the sower that when you sow the word, something happens. And I should have warned y'all about this last week because it says that after you've sown the word, Satan cometh immediately to steal the word that you sowed in your heart. And I'll tell you what, it didn't take him long last week to nail me. And it took me a moment to figure out what I had just taught and that Satan was coming after it. 
I don't know about if y'all know this or not, but I live in the same world y'all do. And the same devil that comes to steal the word from you probably hits me even harder because I'm teaching. And so last week, man, it just didn't take him long at all till he hit. And be warned that when you start studying a sound mind, he's going to come immediately try to steal the word. Just hold on to the word. Uh-uh. Not taking it. You're not going to take it. So this word sound, this undisturbed, stood out to me because I got disturbed last week. <laughs> now he's amening. <laughs> and you know what? When that temptation comes to let go of your peace, even though you've been given a sound mind, you have to hold on to it. You have to hold. You know the scripture says your joy no man can steal from you. And that doesn't mean gender man. It means no one, okay? <laughs> your joy no one can steal from you. It's your joy. Too often, though, something comes and we just let her go. We just, we, just walk, we just watch somebody walk away with our peace. We just watch somebody walk away with our, with our joy. We watch a circumstance walk away with what we've been given. This morning, I want us to put a little fight back in us. Because we have been given a sound mind. Jesus Christ suffered mentally so that you could have a sound mind. He paid for your, the chastisement of your peace. You're right with God. What can man do to us? Whom shall I fear? If you want to put it in the King James Version. He's given us that peace, that sound mind. And when you choose him to be your Lord, there's just no part of you that should be excluded from that. Let him help you. Let him help you in your thought life, your mental state. We said this last week, I want to, last week, I want to say it again. Your mental state does not have to be terminal. If you don't like where you are, you can change it. You can so change into your life according to, to Romans 12. And, and we'll look at some other scriptures. I don't know that we'll get there today, but we'll eventually, I promise, get to Romans 12. And if I forget, y'all remind me. Let's go to 1 Samuel 30. I want to I look at something here. This is, I wanted to go a thousand different directions uh, this morning. And I, this one I'm just supposed to cover. 1 Samuel 30. As you know, the 1 Samuel is mainly about uh, God in David's life. And we're just going to kind of skim down through here. Starting in verse 1, I may do the Susan's Reader's Digest version here, but just to save some time. But it says, It came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day. You students can study that out if you study the third day stuff. They had been invaded. They'd been at war. 
They come back to where all their children, their women are. They come back and it's been destroyed. It's been burnt. Their women, their children are gone. There's no sign of them. There's no remains of them. So they discover that while they've been out fighting for God, they come back and their families have been taken captive. And back then, and maybe even now, there's times you would probably rather them be dead than to have been taken captive. This is what they're walking into. They're tired. They've been at war, they've been fighting, and they come back and they walk into this, and everything's been burnt with fire. It says they didn't slay them, verse 2, but carried them away and went on their way. And so when David and the men came to the city, behold, it was burnt with fire. Their wives, their sons, their daughters were taken captive. And David and the people that were there with him lifted up their voice and they wept. And they wept. Until they had no more power to weep. Have you ever cried till you couldn't cry anymore? Till there's just nothing left. And David himself, his, his two wives, were also taken. And it says David was greatly distressed in verse 6. He was greatly distressed. You are not immune from feelings. You're not immune from emotions. You, you are a spirit, you have a body, and you have a soul. And that soul was made to have emotion. It was made to feel danger, to know when danger was present. It was made to feel. I mean, I see a snake, there's something that goes off in my head. Right? Run. <laughs> Kill it. God didn't immune us from feeling, but what he wanted us to do was to live foremost out front as a spirit, making the decisions from the spirit. It's okay to look at what you're feeling and decide if an action needs to be taken. If, if I touch a hot stove and it sends a signal to my brain that that stove is hot, God does not want me to ignore that. Okay? It's, it, not everything's bad, but we're just not supposed to make our decisions made off of our emotions. David was greatly distressed, y'all. This Imagine yourself walking into your community. Your community has been burned to the ground and everybody has been taken captive. Your wife is gone. Your children are gone. He is greatly distressed. Am I getting the point across here? We're not just reading a story here. This is a true life account. This guy has lost everything. And he is the leader. That makes it worse. You know why? Because when you're the leader and somebody has a bad day, they're stoning you. So David's greatly distressed. For the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved. Everyone, everyone, for their sons and for their daughters. 
But, here's the turnaround word right here. This is the roundabout. If you struggle with roundabouts, this, this is a good one. This was his atmosphere. Chaos. Heavy. Distressed. Screaming. Crying. Men of war. Weeping until they could not weep anymore. You're the leader and you're standing there. They're gathering rocks. Out of their anger and their hurt, they're fixing, somebody's going to pay. And they start gathering it. But, David, you know what he did? David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. When I sought encouragement last week, I didn't find it. From anybody else, I didn't find it. I'm just going to shoot straight from the hip. That day. I did the next day. I walked with my walking partner the next day. She's fireball. You know, when you, you can't always look for outside encouragement. Because sometimes you might not find it. It's great if you can. We have some great encouragers in this house. That I, I, it's, it's a calling for them. I, I, get, a, I get a note from, from Lynn and Matt. Like once a month, I get a card in the mail. It just has a scripture on it. I get a text from, from David and Arlene back there. It just have an encouraging word in it. But you know what? They weren't in my circle the other day. And I had to remind myself, don't turn on the TV. Don't turn on the TV. Go sit in the living room. Get in your chair. Get out that book that's right there next to it that's bound in leather. Happens to be the Passion Translation, which just really speaks to me. And you sit there in that room until but happens. I'm just talking about everyday life, y'all. This wasn't nobody died. It, 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 what, it, this is just things get in your head. Somebody speaks something into you. You receive it. You roll it around. It's fortified, fortified, fortified by all the people around you. It's fortified. That thought's fortified. If you don't contradict the thought that's troubling you with the truth, it will affect you. You've got to answer it. You remember how we talked last week about Jesus when he was out in the wilderness and, and the enemy kept approaching him for a season? And every time Jesus had to come back with the word, Barbara, he had to come back with the word. Why the word? Because the word is the truth. And the devil is a liar. In fact, the scripture calls him the father of lies. He's the father of lies. And when he, when he tries to throw you a little lie, 
Don't think he means for it to stay little. He's looking for you to grow it. And if you don't combat it, you will grow it. So Jesus would come back with the word. That's, what, that's where we've got to get. That's what, David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. That word encourage, it means he strengthened himself, he helped himself, he fortified himself. You can't get anybody else to, to fortify, to build you up. Then you go before God and you fortify yourself. The truth. You fortify the truth, don't fortify the lie. He encouraged himself in the Lord. He fortified himself. He restored. It means restored. He restored his mind in the Lord. In verses 7 and 8, David, his immediate response after he had this moment with the Lord, he calls for the ephod. It's his communication, one of his ways of communicating as king. King and priest before the Lord, he calls for it. And verse 8 says, David inquired at the Lord, saying, What do I do? What do I do? Should I pursue after this troop? Should I go after what they stole from me? Should I pursue what the enemy has taken from me? Let me answer it for you. Yes. He's asking God, should I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him. God answered him, pursue. Listen to me, church. Let them walk away. When I say them, I'm not putting a person's face on that. I'm going to put the enemy's face on it. Don't let circumstances, situations walk away with what God has given you. Listen, pursue. God's answer was yes, you should pursue your joy. You should pursue your peace. In fact, there's scriptures that talk about pursuing peace, seeking after and pursuing it, looking for the things that make for peace. Pursue it. He goes on and he says, For thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail, without fail, you will recover all. All. You will recover all. God said it. God said it. I'm going to pull those four words for this, from this passage for us today. Encourage. Encourage yourself and encourage others. We'll use Billy's word. Be aware. <laughs> and encourage. You know, talk to God and let Him help you. Let His word speak to you and then you speak your, His word to you. <laughs> If, if you're not speaking God's word, you're not going to encourage yourself. So, you know, go online. We've got all kinds of, of things on our, on our church website that you can just pull down these, I, I call them confessions. I, I think sometimes we get, 
It depends on what religious background you're from. Sometimes we take that wrong. They are declarations of God's Word into our life. It's saying what God said over us. It's taking the Scripture and making it personal. My God shall supply all of my needs according to His riches and glory. I mean, it's, it's taking His Word and making it personal. And it's you saying it so that you're hearing it. Because faith comes by hearing. And there's nothing more powerful than you saying it and you hearing you declare His truth into your ears. I can, I can listen to you say it. That's powerful. But when I hear me say it, it's a stand. It's, it's a stand. And so if you want to encourage yourself in the Lord, man, sit in His presence and just read His Word and then make it personal. It's really simple to do. You change the these and the thous to me. Put your name in there if you want to. There's a lot of different ways you can do it. But it's got to become personal. And that will build a faith in you. Encourage yourself. We talked last week about praise. Praise encourages us. It puts courage in us. When we get through with a praise set out here, man, I feel like I can take the mountain. Right? You know why? Because we're not looking at ourselves and we're not looking at our situation. We're looking at how big and how wonderful and how gracious God is, His love for us, and that changes our perspective. It's a great way to encourage yourself. Jude 20 tells us to pray in the Spirit. That we can build ourselves up on our most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost. And you know, sometimes you don't need to use your words because the words that are coming out of your mouth are not so great. So pray in the Spirit. Sometimes you're so mad or so hurt or so upset and you just really don't have the words. There were... There were days I don't know if I spoke English. Because I, I, I really needed to watch what I said. These are ways that you can encourage yourself. By all means, if you have supportive people around you who will speak encouraging words. Now, encouraging words sometimes can be tough words. Maybe I should say people who will speak truth into you. If you've got that, use that. Everybody needs that. If you don't have that, start believing God for a good companion that, that can speak truth into you, that you can encourage one another. But encourage yourself. The next word is pursue. Don't let this go. Don't, don't let what the enemy has taken captive just walk away. Your health your mental health, your joy, your peace. Refuse to give it up. And this means putting in some effort. And I know that when we're, when we're dealing with depression, effort is not the first word in our vocabulary. But if we want to win, we can go off the strength of the Lord. And not our own. If you're, if you're shut down and you're in a tough situation, your mind's going bonkers on you, just ask God for the strength. And I, I don't want to use the word just strap on your boots and go. 
start something. If it's getting up out of the bed, if it's praying worship, praise music while you're in the bed so you can get out of the bed. You know, the psalmist talked often about, about talking to the Lord in the night while he was upon his bed, meditating on his word. Meditating means this is what I'm going to think on, brain. We, talk, we used Philippians last week. We went through the filter of, of what, we're, what we can think on. This is what you're going to think. And letting that spirit man take the lead instead of our flesh and instead of our soul, I find that a great encouragement and a great way for me to get to a place of pursuit is to use my words forcefully. And that's what, that's what David, I will, that's what the psalmist said, I will hope in God. I will praise the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, all that is within me. You will bless his holy name. And sometimes you just got to tell your body and your mind, thank God we have a spirit. And it's not just our mind and our body getting to make all the rules. Pursue. 1 Peter 3.10 says this. Whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. Whosoever would love life and see good days must. Anybody want to love life? Any, anybody here want to see good days? Then there's some things we must do. There's just some things we must do. There's a way we must think. There's a way we must talk. There's a mindset we must have. If we're going to, to love life and see good days, we need to seek peace and we need to pursue it. Go after it. Don't let it walk away. The next word that I want to bring out is overtake. God said, pursue it, for you will surely overtake them. We're going to overcome this by letting God's truth own the space of our mind. If thoughts are overtaking you, you're going to have to let God's word overtake your thoughts. Remember the balance we talked about last week with the praise cure? You know, uh, the lady in the vision saw the testing. And she saw her praise. God showed her this in a, a balance. And that her testing was getting, her, was the, getting the weight of things. And that she needed to, to give praise the greater weight. And how that thing fell off of her when she did that. The sickness fell off of her when she did that. We've got to overtake our thoughts with the Word of God. We've got to bring it captive is what we're going to study. I don't, I don't think we'll get to it today. We might. 2 Corinthians 10. We're going to overcome this by letting God's truth own the space of our mind. Let's, let's go there. 2 Corinthians 10. we got time. This won't be a thorough teaching on 2 Corinthians 10, but it'll give you something to study this week. You're not here to be spoon-fed, are you? 
Just jump in in verse 3. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. You know that a lot of times it's where we try to, we try to beat things, even mental things. We try with sheer willpower. I won't think that. I'm not going to think that. I'm not going to think that. I'm not going to think that. Well, that only works until you think that. I mean, until you quit saying, I'm not going to think that. And as soon as you stop saying it. No, there's an anointing on the word, Linda. That's the difference. It's not just sheer willpower, mind over matter. There's an anointing on the word, on the word that destroys strongholds. It brings thoughts captive. And, and there's no other words. Positive words are important. Use them. But if you need something powerful, you need to use the word of God. Right? For though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not just carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Strongholds are fortified thoughts. Thoughts that have been reinforced by experience, by words. It's more than just a thought passing through your head. It's been built. And, and strongholds can either be a prison or they can be a shelter. We're building strongholds with the Word of God that we can run into and be safe. That are a protection for us when words or, or arrows are thrown at us, so to speak. Situations and circumstances. We can have a stronghold built by the Word. Fortified, strengthened, reinforced by the Word. Or we can have strongholds that have made us prisoner to thoughts. Good news is, even if a stronghold has been built in you, it says that our weapons are mighty through God and they can pull down, demolish strongholds. You don't have to think that way anymore. You don't have to. He said you can cast down, verse 5, you can cast down imaginations, even things you've seen that you want out of your head can be gone. And I, I know I've used this example before, but I experienced a suicide when I was young and uh, just happened to, be, happened to be present when it happened. And the things that I saw there, I can talk about and I can bring them back up. But most, well, I'm just going to say never unless I choose to bring it up, do those visuals come to my mind? Not, not ever. Only in teaching do I ever use it. And only then I bring it up myself. It is not allowed to come up any other time. You know why? Because God's word has cast down those imaginations. And if you've had things done to you or you've seen things, whether that was by your choosing or not your choosing, God's word can cast down imaginations. Whew, that's better. 
Our weapons can cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Anything that exalts itself against God's truth, you have a right to get rid of it. In your mind, I'm going to say you have the responsibility to get rid of it. And bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Whew. James, I don't know about you, but that's kind of a full-time job for me. Right? Bringing every thought. This is, this is where I'm talking about the overtake. What has led captive what God has given you and, and something has led a circumstance, a situation, a thought has led that thing captive and it has taken it off your peace walked off was taken, your joy was taken Mm-mm. no we're going to take thoughts captives, we're not going to let thoughts take us captive or thoughts take our goods captive we're going to take our thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ or to the obedience of the word, you could say. I love this out the Amplified. He says, for though we walk or live in the flesh, we're not carrying on our warfare according to the flesh and using mere human weapons. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. In so much as we refute, which means we deny and contradict and prove wrong, arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the truth. What's the truth? His word. This is the truth. What it says about you is the truth. How it states that you are is the truth. What it says that he has given you, this is the truth. And anything that sets itself up and says that this is not true about you, you have a responsibility to refute, to deny, to contradict, and to prove wrong that argument and that theory. And every proud and lofty thing that tries to set itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. Overtake your thoughts. Overtake your thoughts. The last thing is that he said to him was, you will overtake them. And without fail, recover all. That's wholeness. That's wholeness. Recover all. 2 Timothy 1.7, out of the Amplified, says, God didn't give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craving and cringing and fawning fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of a calm well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. He gave me that spirit. It's mine. I'm not going to let it walk away. I'm not going to let it be taken captive by situations, circumstances, or other people's words. That's not what he gave me. That's not what he gave me. So why... 
would I take what somebody else gave me over what God gave me? The only place the devil, the Satan, enemy, whatever you want to call him, the evil one, the father of lies, the stupid one, the big L loser, the big zero, the one who's going to get kicked into the lake of fire for eternity, that one. The only place he has any possible entrance is in your mind. That's it. He's limited to that arena. Y'all, we got to own that arena. And we can't do it watching junk. Now, I'm not O-line Pentecost here. I don't want to get O-line Pentecost here, but they had a few keys. You can't listen to junk, see junk, immerse yourself in junk, and have a healthy mind. Whether that's on your phones, on your computers, I, we just can't. We've got to own this space of our mind. Satan constantly wants us to, and I got this from Nancy DeFrance, it was so good. She said, Satan is always wanting to pull us into the arena of the mind. Trying to get us to think something. That's, that's what he did to Adam and Eve. It's what he tried to do to Jesus. It's what he'll try to do to you. He doesn't just show up with a pitchfork and horns and a cute little red suit. And you go, oh, that was the devil. No, he sows a thought. And he's hoping you'll grow it. He wants to pull us into that arena. And if we're going to beat the father of lies in, in this arena of the mind, we better have the truth. How else are we going to know it's a lie if we don't know the truth? We when he approaches me with a thought, I want to get to the place where I have the truth ready for him. Sometimes it takes me a minute. You know, like it's like, oh, wait. I know what's happening here. I want to get to the place where when he approaches me with a thought that's a lie, I immediately, I immediately handle it with the truth. Man, ten till. My board says, don't worry about time. Right. Oh, one of them. I got one vote. <laughs> I don't know where the rest of them are. Oh, they're at lunch. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Mo. One of them looks like he might be at the coffee shop. Um, we can't start thinking wrong. Okay, we, we just can't, we've got to stop that. As soon as we recognize that, we've got to stop that. And we answer it with the word. But there's an interesting story in Daniel 4 about a king. And he starts thinking wrong. And he starts thinking about himself too much. And he has a dream. He calls for a man of God to interpret it. 
and he interprets it, tells him what it's going to be, and it didn't change the guy. Uh, he went ahead doing what he was doing. I want to just pick up, let's just pick up in verse 33 of Daniel 4, and I'll, I'll, I promise I'll wrap this up quickly. And I started not to cover this today, but I felt like somebody needed to know that your mind has not gone too far for God to redeem it. And over and over again, there's examples. Uh, there's the parable of what we call the prodigal son. Uh, when he came to himself. You know, like he was so far gone, but he came to himself. And he remembered his father. There's just examples like that. And this is one of those. And, and so it says, The same hour, uh, the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar. He's the one that had the dream. And he was driven from men. And he did eat grass as oxen. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven. Till his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers. And his nails like bird's claws. Are y'all visual? He's gone. He's become an animal. The, the king. The ruler. He has gotten to such a mental state that he has become an animal. I should say animal-like. He's living like an animal. I, I mean, I've been, I've been in some rough places mentally, but... I, at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes unto heaven what's he doing he stopped looking here he started looking there and my understanding it returned to me oh that's that's beautiful And I blessed the Most High. And I praised and I honored Him that lives forever. Whose dominion is an everlasting dominion. And His kingdom is from generation to generation. You know what He's doing? You can go back and read the above. He started talking about, this is my kingdom. I built this kingdom. And this great... you know. He's, he's so full of himself and he's so mentally deranged. So the delusion is so great that he made himself crazy. Nobody did this to him. His own thoughts took him to this place. And then he gets the dream interpreted that he had. And he comes to himself. He starts blessing the Lord. He starts praising the Lord. And he starts giving God the credit. He says, And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay in his hand or say unto him, What are you doing, God? At the same time, my reason returned unto me. And for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and brightness returned to me. My counselors, the lords, they, they sought unto me. And I was established in my kingdom. And excellent majesty was added unto me. 
he recovered all. It looked impossible. It may look impossible for you to recover all. I want you to go study Daniel 4. Unless you're out eating grass and your hair is starting to look like feathers and you've got claws and you're to the point of living like an animal, then we might not have an example, but up to that degree, we've got one. And his reason returned to him and everything was restored to him. Verse 37 says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. You know what he just did? Everything started looking up. He acknowledged God, and the thoughts began to overtake his thoughts. Praise began to overtake his thoughts. And every, he recovered all. That's beautiful. You're not gone too far. Some other time we might talk about a reprobate mind, but I've got a great example right here. You can, you can be pretty far gone. And your mind can be restored. You haven't gone too far. I know pretty much everybody in the room, you haven't gone too far. Hadn't gone too far. Just take a lesson from it. Start looking up. Start speaking the truth. Pursue. Overtake. Get it back. Amen. Y'all can stand. If you need prayer this morning, we don't ever want to miss that opportunity. I know sometimes I just say the prayer team will be up here afterwards. But Wes, if you don't mind coming to the keyboard, um, just to take a moment, it's not even 12 o'clock yet. And you know what? Your mental health is way more important. And last week we said this, and I meant it. I can't lay hands on you and, and renew your mind for you. Okay? That's your job. You're going to have to take the Word of God and you're going to have to choose it over your own thoughts over your own past, over your own circumstances. But, you know, if we could just take a moment, bow our heads and close our eyes and just present our bodies a living sacrifice to God, holy and acceptable unto Him, spirit, soul, and body. Father, we just present ourselves to You, spirit, soul, and body. Thank you, Jesus, for paying for every bit of me. Thank you for paying for every bit of me.